Hello and welcome to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wife, Janet. And today on the line, we have June Funk, who is a regenerative medicine practitioner out of Wenanchi. Um, she's going to tell us a little bit. She's going to define that and tell us what it is. Um, June, on the line, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what regenerative medicine is? Yeah, so regenerative medicine is uh, basically when um, I am providing a procedure or teaching the patient how to sort of harness their own, um, you know, body to heal themselves. And so in my practice, I use regenerative medicine such as perineural injections, prolotherapy, platelet-rich plasma injections, and stem cells um, to allow patients to um, heal themselves in a more natural way. And there's many things that go into trying to help a patient uh, with regenerative medicine, but in terms of the procedures, those are the uh, main musculoskeletal injection procedures that I use for patients. Awesome. So that sounds like some really fancy terms. So I'm going to let Janet go <laughs> ahead. Yeah, I'm going to let Janet go ahead, and we can get into some of the details with that. Go ahead, Janet. Dr. Jum, I am honored that you're on our show today because um, I have been following her on Facebook, and she has um, some amazing hobbies because I think she lives the life that she is um, trying to help people with. Um, in that she's a very active lady, and um, so I want you to share with our, our, our listeners some of your hobbies and also what your health journey is and how you became a naturopath and how that started before we jump into all the definitions and all the medical part, if you would please do that for us today. Yeah, so I, uh, I graduated from Bastyr University in 2007. And shortly thereafter, I did my residency in Nicaragua. Uh, I spent 13 months there, basically being a primary care physician for many of the patients uh, there in the community health clinics as well as the hospital. And um, after, after my residency there, I went and worked in primary care in Bellingham, Washington. And uh, shortly thereafter, I had my husband got really sick, and so I was able to um, get a position doing physical medicine in uh, the Bellevue area. Um, yeah, and ever since then, I think that was around 2014 or so was when I started, to, or 20, yeah, 13, 14, I started doing injection therapies. Um, and I wasn't doing platelet-rich plasma or stem cell therapy then yet. Um, but yeah, that was my journey towards physical medicine in general. And uh, it's something that I love so much in terms of, you know, procedures and, and whatnot. I mean, I still do like hormone therapy, for example, um, and a little bit of primary care. But predominantly, I would say my practice is generally 80, you know, 85% musculoskeletal injections. So, um, yeah. And I work with, you know, in terms of Yes, online, I uh, do post a lot of photos of my dogs. I have two uh, Rhodesian Ridgebacks, and uh, I take them hiking often, and uh, I live in Leavenworth. My medical practice is in Wenatchee, Washington, 
Um, I do a lot of snowboarding and I slipboard. Uh, my passion, though, is rock climbing. I do a lot of rock climbing um, in this area, and it's prime for it. Um, and then I also um, mountain bike, which I know that, you know, you and Sean <laughs> are avid professionals, uh, you know, in this area that love to do it. So. Well, well, we'll restate that. Sean is Janet takes the green trails. So. <laughs> and that's scary enough for me. But um, so I know some of our listeners may know the difference between a natural path and, and a medical um, doctor. But would you just kind of give us the groundwork of what might um, be slightly different? Because um some people might lump everybody together, but I feel like there's a big difference between the two and how you approach a patient. So would you share that with us, please? Yeah. So uh, in terms of naturopathic doctor, you know, we do a lot. We, A, spend uh, a lot more time with patients. I am a direct fee service clinic, so I am not limited uh, by insurance, and so patients pay me um, you know, for services. And, you know, I feel that as an naturopathic physician, um, I used to take insurance and I used to go through the insurance model, but I no longer do that for, for many reasons. Um, but as a direct fee service, if there's a procedure that I feel a patient needs, then, um, you know, that's what I tell the patients. Whereas before when I did injection therapies, um, that was not always the case. You know, they have to get prior authorizations, and sometimes procedures that a lot, actually a lot of the procedures that I do now, patients, um, you know, the insurance companies find that there's not enough research to back it up. At least that's what they say, and so they don't allow patients to receive those services. And so, as a direct fee service um, clinic, you know, I'm I'm able to do that for patients. So. Um, there's that. And then also naturopathic doctors, we also tend to um, really figure out the underlying cause um, of a patient's health issues. So, for example, if someone comes in, and oftentimes uh, this happens in the clinic, someone will come in and they'll have just generalized pain. And so I'll check their thyroid, I'll check their hormone levels, I'll check um, what their diet is like, what their lifestyle is like, and then we work on that. And then if they still have specific pain, um, symptoms, then I can use the injection therapy. So even though I do a lot of injections, it's actually the, the you know, your basic treatment guidelines of getting sunshine and being active and eating well, especially eating well, those are all things that, you know, and managing your stress level, that's another huge thing. Those are all things that, you know, as a physician, I, you know, can spend time with patients, whereas I think you're typical medical model, it's just not the case because the doctors are very limited um, in their time. I think many of the doctors here maybe have 15 minutes with patients, if that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an issue. And, you know, I think that sometimes the physician is not always the one to blame for that. Um, if, if they are working under a very specific model um, that is very, like, money-driven and so it makes it difficult for some of the patients to be able to vocalize, you know, what their needs are and for the physician to um, gather all the information and, you know, do a very sound treatment plan within that 10 or 15 minutes. So I am so appreciative that I went to more of a cash-based model, a direct fee service model, where 
you know, I can spend between 30 minutes up to an hour with patients and really get to know the patient. So, yeah. And we do a lot of education as well in terms of naturopathic physicians. Um, yeah, so I, I, I feel that we have so much to give to the community. And, um, you know, I think that more and more uh, the people are more conscious of having, uh, that there are other doctors out there that, that, that you know, do allow, um, you know, them to express what they desire and, and be able to come up with, like I said, again, sound treatment plans. That's very interesting that you brought the, the time constraint up because um, I know I've, I have friends that have worked for different facilities here locally as well as patients that have, you know, stressed the fact that, you know, um, you can only be seen for one thing and that one thing only. And um, if the back is hurting, that's what we're going to treat. We're not going to look at your knee. We're only going to give you, you know, so many questions that you can ask. And it's unfortunate because a lot of times, a lot of these um, symptoms that patients are having are related to one another. So, you know, if we're only treating the back pain and we forget that, you know, that their knee or their ankle or their foot or their stomach is upset or they're under a lot of stress, those things aren't being addressed. It's just that one thing. So I, I'm very thankful that there are providers like yourself that are able to take the time and have the time to actually spend and get to the root of what's the cause of their pain. And like you said, set up a, a plan together for that. So yeah. I feel like that gives the patient some more ownership of the therapy. Do you find that with your clients? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times if you really listen, patients really tell you what the issue is. <laughs> You know, they give you these little, you know, clues. And so, um, you know, I find as a physician, actually, um, it's kind of being a detective. You know, you, you, it's, it's, it's listening to the patient and, you know, gathering the information, but then also trying to sort of tease out um, what the, the salient points are so that um, you can move the treatment plan in a, in a certain direction. So, but yeah, I mean, sometimes patients, you know, they just don't have the time with the with the doctor to to tell the patient, you know, to tell the doctor, like, you know, what their needs are or what's really right. going on. And right. so um, patients do get frustrated, and I hear that all the time. So, um, you know, because I'm not working in that model, I feel like I am able to spend more time with patients. So you mentioned some of the therapy that you offer. Um, so yeah. what what type of client is is um, most likely to come to you? Is there a certain age? Is there a certain group that is attracted to your office? Or what do they look like? Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I would say that in general, I mean, I, for, I see patients with chronic pain or acute pain, period, in general. Um, but in terms of being here in Wenatchee, I would say my patients are in their 40s or older, um, yeah, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. I do see a lot of retirees, and, you know, these are, because I am a direct fee service, um, there are patients that I can't see because of the financial constraints, um, and some of the therapies can be, um, you know, what patients say somewhat expensive, but, you know, to me, it's very worth it, but yeah, if you have financial constraints, like, there's just nothing that we can do about it, so, uh, but yeah, I would say patients in their 40s or older are my typical patients. Um, a lot of them are in the medical field, and 
it's a lot of active patients. And when I say active patients, they're not like, you know, professional athletes. You know, a lot of them are just, they were active before and then they got injured. And then now they want to be able to go out and hike and bike and travel or, you know, drive their RV without being in chronic pain and having to get out every hour. So, yeah, I mean, I think that where we live, you know, it's, it's, so prime for just being in the outdoors and I think a lot of a lot of people live here to be active and be in the outdoors you know and enjoy the sunshine so yeah it's just a lot of you know a lot of my most of my patients are are here because they want to get back to being active again and doing what they love before we head into our break, um, one of the things that I looked on your, your website is um, uh, your regenerative injection therapies are to focus on repair, regeneration, and restore. Um, so you touched a little bit on that, but basically what I'm understanding from you is that you're trying to take a more natural approach to their healing. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So oftentimes, you know, for for chronic pain, so say, for example, if I come in with a, with chronic knee pain, um, typically what the physician would do is they would inject cortisone, right, to basically decrease the pain. But, you know, what I would do is use regenerative injection therapies that try to get your own immune system to mount a modulated um, effect to get your, your body to help repair the ligament or the tendon or the joint space um, to, to basically heal itself. And so we're not, you know, if you use cortisone too much, it's almost like degrading that tissue over time, correct? Right, so correct. Yeah. Um, what I'm doing is, is sort of the opposite. We're, we're, we're really trying to decrease pain and decrease inflammation so that the cells can actually have time and the resources to repair itself, which is why if you know, if a, if a patient is doing regenerative injection therapies, I highly recommend that they eat well, they get collagen in their body, you know, they are active and mobile to get that synovial fluid flowing. Yeah, there's many things to do to, to get the body to kind of help jumpstart that regenerative process. So. Wow. No, that's super exciting, Jume. Um, I'm excited to learn more in the next segment about some of the details of this. Um, great job so far, and I appreciate Janet. She is doing awesome at this interview. So we will be back in a couple minutes. Hello, and welcome back to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. In our first segment, if you weren't with us, we were. We have June Funk on the phone. She specializes in regenerative medicine, and she was talking about her practice and how she's a fee for service, and um, talked about how she does not accept any insurance. And if you guys have been listening to our radio show for very long, you know that um, we have talked to many providers that don't accept insurance. And one of the reasons why is, like June said, is they don't allow you to. It, it really puts a barrier between the patient and and the um, doctor. And I wrote a book about this, actually. It's called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. It is available on Kindle, um, Amazon, and right now, and you can download that book and read it. Um, there's a six-step solution on how to fix what's going on with health care. Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. June, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. So, Dr. Funk, I wanted to jump into these therapies that you offer because I think this is something that a lot of people aren't familiar with. 
And um, so I'd like you to explain some of the medicine behind it and how it works. So if we could start with maybe the prolotherapy for your um, injections, that would be wonderful if you could explain that to them. Yeah, so uh, prolotherapy is a huge part of my practice. And prolotherapy uses a solution, dextrose, which is a medicine. Um, and you can use a five, 15, I use 15% or 10%, up to 25%, depending on if I'm injecting a ligament, tendon, or a joint space. And what the dextrose does is it mounts a modulated, um, you know, natural inflammatory reaction in the body to get and jumpstart your body to start the healing process. So for example, if you if you go hiking and you trip and you sprain your ankle, you know, you're gonna have some inflammation, right? And that inflammation kind of goes through a normal, natural um, healing cascade. And when I'm injecting prolotherapy um, into, you know, a tendon, ligament, or joint space, I'm actually instigating that natural healing cascade. And dextrose is very inexpensive. Um, it's not a sexy therapy like a lot of other, you know, expensive medications, but, you know, dextrose can do so well at healing, you know, the, the soft tissue. And like I said, it's, it's the basis of a lot of the regenerative injection therapy. So, uh, for example, if I'm using PRP, the technique that I still use is basically using prolotherapy technique where, you know, I'm not just injecting going into the joint space, but I'm also injecting the ligaments and where the ligaments and tendons attach, um, you know, is called the emphysis point. And I'm injecting in those areas as well because oftentimes uh, micro tears will occur there and will refer a lot of pain. So, you know, the, the injections that I do, especially with prolotherapy, it's very comprehensive. It's not just one injection. You're injecting multiple areas. And that's why having a good uh, having good musculoskeletal diagnostic skills and physical exam skills is so important. And, um, you know, for me, I love working hands-on. And so, you know, the physical exam is just a huge major aspect of care. I mean, I, I understand it's important to have MRIs and x-rays, but doing a great physical exam is, is huge in terms of, of um, going down the correct direction in terms of what treatments you know I would want to have for a patient. So, uh, but prolotherapy is like the groundwork. It's it's to have good technique injection technique for all of the other therapies like PRP and stem cell therapy. You need to have good prolotherapy technique. And normally, a lot of the physicians and I teach other physicians how to do prolotherapy. Um, the, the easiest uh, medicine to use the prolotherapy techniques with is dextrose, but you can also use platelet-rich plasma to inject, you know, prolotherapy uh, treatments as well. But yeah, that's the basis of regenerative medicine is, is prolotherapy. So Dr. Fung, give us an example of what you would use pro prolotherapy for, um, yeah, prolotherapy for injection of dextrose, like a, like a hurt knee or whatever, um, and, and what would a patient expect as results? Yeah, so uh, I, I, for example, last week, I did a plantar fasciitis injection, and typically prolotherapy procedures, um, I can pretty much get patients better in two to three treatments. Some patients that are really healthy and have good tissue, I typically can get them better in one to two treatments. 
Um, some other physicians say three to six treatments. I never, ever feel like they have to come back that often for the prolotherapy treatments. But, you know, if you're talking about someone who um, is an elderly patient who doesn't eat well and is inactive, you know, they're probably going to need more prolotherapy treatments. But what, you know, what can a patient expect after I do a prolotherapy treatment, for example? Um, oh, sorry, uh, Sean, other areas that I inject uh, for prolotherapy is basically any other joint, but for my particular, uh, my particular practice, most of, uh, most of the patients come in for, example, knee pain, right? So uh, patellar tendonitis, uh, osteoarthritis of both the hip and the knee. Um, I have labral, partial labral tears, you know, patients coming in. Um, for shoulder pain, and then a lot of uh, neck instability for motor vehicle accidents. So I get that often, and then absolutely low back pain. So low back pain for, for many different, you know, from disc herniations to um, just chronic low back pain for motor vehicle accidents. Yeah, so anywhere where people have either soft tissue or joint pain, you can, you can use the prolotherapy technique to treat the patient. So how does that differ from PRP treatment or stem cell? Yeah, so the prolotherapy technique, you're injecting tendons, ligaments, you know, the joint space. So most of the time, like, before platelet-rich plasma uh, existed, people would just use dextrose, which is like sugar water, right? Right, that's correct. Nowadays, we use the prolotherapy technique where we are injecting the tendons, the ligaments, the joint space, but now we're using a stronger medicine, which is the platelet-rich plasma injection. And PRP is where I draw someone's blood, just like if you went to um, the hospital and they drew your blood via venipuncture, and I centrifuge it down. I use a special centrifuge. I centrifuge it down, and I concentrate the platelets four to seven times as strong as it is in your body, and I inject it into the space that I would use, you know, the prolotherapy technique into, you know, the knee or the tendon or the ligament um, or the joint space to heal that area. And now, currently, I've been working for the, probably the past three to four months injecting PRP also into the nerves, into the peripheral nerves, um, which not a lot of people do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's basically, I would say, two to three times stronger than just PRP is two to three times stronger than just using dextrose um, as medicine uh, for prolotherapy. So the technique that I use, Janet, is the same in terms of if I'm injecting someone with PRP, it's a prolotherapy technique, but the medicine is different. It's the PRP. So if someone comes in and they're like, oh, I just kind of strained my ankle, um, you know, I'm, I'm walking okay, but it's, it's a little naggy, then I would suggest maybe starting off with dextrose, especially if they're generally healthy. If, they, if their pain level is a consistent, you know, seven, six to seven out of ten, and they've had it for three months, and, um, you know, it's, it's, really affected their quality of life, then I would suggest something stronger, for example, like PRP, the platelet-rich plasma injection. So, and normally, yeah. So sorry to interrupt you, but it just yeah. came to my, my mind that, you know, our first response in traditional medicine is that we ice the area that they sprained or hurt, and then we give them anti-inflammatories. So 
are things like anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen part of this or is that totally out of the picture? How do you approach that? Yeah, so especially if you're doing regenerative injection therapies, um, a contraindication would be actually NSAIDs, nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory medicines. And that's why it just kills me when I'm on you know, the, the uh, hiking group, you know, Facebook groups, and someone's like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hiking, and I'm going to, like, you know, take a few ibuprofen before that. You know, that's kind of just masking, masking the pain, right? And, right. you know, um, when you're, when you're in a pickle, sure, you can use, you can approach medicine that way, but um, in general, if I'm trying to mount a modulated inflammatory reaction to get your body to jumpstart that healing cascade that it normally should be doing, um, and you're taking an anti, you know, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, it defeats the purpose. I don't want to waste people's money. They're paying cash. (laughs) So I tell patients, no alcohol. You know, if we're going through this therapy, um, it's really important that you not take um, you know, any NSAIDs, do not drink alcohol the, the, you know, two, three days after the injection, you know, treatment. And if you have had a cortisone injection, to at least wait, you know, three to four weeks um, after getting a cortisone injection. I get that question often. It's, hey, Dr. Funk, um, I just had a cortisone injection and it not worked. I literally had this happen a few weeks ago with a hip patient. And so, um, again, they injected into his hip joint cortisone, and it didn't help. And so I, last week, I injected the ligaments of the hip joint, and he actually emailed me this morning and said that he's better. So, again, sometimes, you know, when you're using something like cortisone, they typically don't in, in, in you know, they just typically go into the joint space and not the other soft tissue areas which a lot of times is the offending, it's, it's the reason why the patient's in pain. Right. Um, yeah. And there's only so many times they can have cortisol shots, too. I mean, there's so many side effects to those treatments that, you know, you can't con- keep repeating that cycle over and over. There's eventually going to be a point where if it doesn't get better, they're going to have to have some other approach of therapy. So, um, yeah. that being said, when do you jump into a... Uh, situation where you're going to start using stem cell treatment? Yeah. So first, I wanted to sort of define, um, you know, what stem cells are because I think that there's a misconception um, amongst even practitioners of, of what stem cells are, what stem cell therapy is. And um, so the type of stem cell therapy that I um, used to do a lot was where I would make a small incision into someone's abdomen and take the fat out of um, someone's abdomen, centrifuge it down, and because there's, there's just millions of stem cells in fat tissue, in adipose tissue, and then I would centrifuge the fat down and then add it to the PRP and inject it into someone's knee or hip or shoulder, you know, the bigger joints, because... Stem cells, if you, if you gather it and if you harvest it from fat tissue, it's, um, it's very thick. And so injecting it into a smaller joint is very difficult. So um, anyhow, so the other way to, to have true stem cells is via a bone marrow aspiration where they're taking the stem cells out of your hip joint. Uh, not hip joint, sorry, your, um, the iliac crest. Um, and 
I don't do that. That's a little bit more invasive in, than my scope of practice. So, um, but the only way to get true stem cells is basically out of fat or your bone marrow. Now, there's off-the-shelf products that um, other physicians tout as stem cells, but they're actually not stem cells. And the FDA is very, very um, adamant that you not call them stem cells. So that includes um, umbilical cord cells, um, amniotic cells, and um, placental cells. But they technically are not stem cells, even though um, a lot of doctors advertise it as stem cells because they do not have, um, after all of the centrifugation of all the cells, there's not as many living stem cells in it. However, they do contain absolutely strong anti-inflammatories and proteins that help the body. So they are very helpful, you know, to help with healing and to regenerate tissue. Um, you know, you can do it via IV as well. I wouldn't for umbilical cord cells, but for amniotic cells you can. Um, those are very helpful and they are part, you know, they are biologics that are part of regenerative medicine, but they, but they technically can't be called stem cells. Whereas if you do get stem cells from adipose tissue and the bone marrow, those are true stem cells. And I typically um, do the stem cell therapy for patients that have um, moderate to severe osteoarthritis, for example. So when you have a lot of joint or cartilage degeneration, that is, you know, and, and the patient can financially um, pay for it, that's a good option because it's very, very strong medicine. So, so Dr. Funk, tell us a little bit about, um, and I might even pronounce this wrong, we were talking on the phone last week, and exosome therapy, it's not stem cells, but stimulates stem cells, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I've been using more and more exosome therapy into my practice. And exosomes are basically, they're small vesicles. They're surrounded by a bilipid layer. Um, they're part of your cell. And so they invaginate out of one of your cells. And then they, they are the, the mailman. They carry messages, you know, to basically tell, you know, the other cells, like your stem cells, to do their job. Because as you start aging, your stem cells are, they, they die away. And so... Um, one of the reasons why I don't do as much of the lipoaspiration, the, the stem cells taking the stem cells out of patient's fat, is that, um, you know, if someone is an elderly, they're not going to have that oomph in their stem cells to get the body to heal as well. That's not with everybody, but um, with exosomes, you can have an effect on the stem cells by getting the exosomes to their signaling molecules to, to get the stem cells and to get the other, um, like the other proteins to basically do their job, you know, to, to repair tissue or to make more blood vessels so that there could be more circulation to the, the area of trauma. Um, you know, they can help to build more, you know, cartilage in that area. So it's, it's getting your own stem cells, you know, using an off-the-shelf product like exosomes, but getting it to help your stem cells, you know, to regenerate your own, you know, to regenerate and repair your body and to restore um, the patency of that area that you're injecting into. Wow. That's, that's an education for sure, I'll tell you. Um, you know, one of the things, we started this radio show back in October of 2019, and I think we've had, I don't know, I think this is our 40th episode so far. 
Anyway, one of the things that's so nice is just to learn. I learn a lot every radio show from practitioners like yourself. So thank awesome. you. Yeah. So so thank you so much, Dr. Funk, for, for doing that. Um, we're about ready to head into our next commercial break. Um, you're listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. And just to let you know, we, we are streaming at AM 1470 KBSN Studio out of Moses Lake. We are also on my personal Facebook page and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. We also archive all these episodes on your favorite podcast form, so iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and we just got approved for iHeartRadio. So we keep popping up everywhere. We appreciate you listening, and we will be back shortly. Hello, and welcome back to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We are on our third and final episode here on the radio show today, and you can listen to us every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m., right here on AM 1470 KBSN out of Moses Lake. We have Dr. Funk on the line. Dr. Funk, you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's go ahead, let's go ahead and go into you talked about exome therapy. Let's go ahead and talk about ozone a little bit. Yeah. So one of the therapies that I have been implementing to a lot of my musculoskeletal injections lately has been um, ozone therapy treatment. And ozone is obviously is O3, but the the premise of of why I'm using ozone is to basically provide more oxygenation to the tissues. Um, so I'm injecting it into joints, I'm injecting it into muscle tissue, tendons, and ligaments. Um, sometimes I'll actually use it after I inject a patient with um, a B injection, like a vitamin injection cocktail, um, you know, to provide nutrients to the tissues, you know, to the ligaments and the tendons, um, to the joint space, but then also um, oxygenating the tissue with ozone. And, um, you know, one of the benefits of ozone is, very, is that it's a very inexpensive treatment, um, but that also, you know, aside from using it for musculoskeletal health, you know, you can use it, you can um, get ozone rectally in order to help with any digestive issues. Um, you can use it intravaginally. You can, um, like I said, inject it into trigger points. Skeletal pain. Um, people also do it via IV. Um, that's something that I offer patients as well. It's called major autohemotherapy, where you're drawing blood out of the patient, you're adding ozone um, to the IV bag, and then you're, um, you know, putting the IV back into the patient's body in order to oxygenate um, the body systemically. And so many, many different uses for ozone. And I think that. Um, more and more you'll hear about ozone, um, you know, be, as a, a natural treatment. It's been going on for many years now. And, um, Sean, I think I told you that I think in, in Vegas they, they ozonate the water, you know, because it's such a strong antimicrobial. So no matter if it's a bacteria or virus or, you know, fungal, um, you know, it's, it's there to, to fight infections. And I love that it's there to, to help optimize and boost your immune system as well if you get it, you know, um, systemically. So, yeah. Go ahead, Sean. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, you mentioned it early on in the show in our first episode, in our first segment, I believe, about peripheral neuropathy. So what, what do you do with peripheral 
peripheral neuropathy, which is very, very difficult to treat. Maybe just explain about what peripheral neuropathy is and, and what your treatment options are. <laughs> How long do we have, John? Exactly. No, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, just to be quick, peripheral neuropathy is basically when there's damage to the nerves that lie right under, like the, that lie underneath the skin. So I say that it's not the nerves coming from like your spine. It's the little tiny like leaves and branches that you know. It's like the tiny leaves and branches that come off of the tree uh, trunk. So if the nerves of your back is like the tree trunk, the leaves are like the peripheral nerves. And the those nerves, when they are um, traumatized or damaged, can affect your skin. It can affect the layers underneath your skin, which are going to be your muscles, um, tendons, and ligaments. So one of the one of the newer treatments that I've been using on patients is using platelet-rich plasma injections. Um, you know, platelet-rich plasma to use to inject into specific peripheral nerves. And so, if someone has peripheral neuropathy, uh, for example, idiopathic, meaning they don't know why they have um, deterioration of the nerves, I will inject the platelets into their lower, the nerves of their lower extremity, um, and patients are getting better results. And so um, what typically happens is, you know, it's extremely painful after the first injection because those nerves are already, they're, they're damaged, and there's a lot of numbness and tingling, which are some of the symptoms of neuropathy. And patients can have peripheral neuropathy um, because of, um, you know, they have disc degeneration, um, and it pushes on um, having that, that severe disc degeneration pushes on the nerves that are coming out of the low back, and that can cause, um, you know, the nerves to deteriorate. It could be from, you know, if someone's having cancer treatments and, you know, they're having radiation therapy or other very strong um, chemotherapeutic agents, then sometimes that can damage the, the nerve tissue or, you know, oftentimes it's actually a lot of the diabetics have peripheral neuropathy, and that actually, you know, sure I can inject, but if I don't work on their diet and their lifestyle and getting their blood sugar managed, you know, it's it's I'm not doing the patient justice if I'm not working on the diet and lifestyle first. But yes, if if someone has peripheral neuropathy, there there are treatments like PRP injections into the peripheral nerves that can help. Um, basically regenerate that nerve tissue. Some, some clinics use actually stem cells to inject. Um, I typically will start off with the, the PRP, the platelet-rich plasma first, um, and then move up to stem cells if I need to. And, and normally patients get, you know, good results in terms of more healing into more better circulation, so their feet or their legs won't be as cold, um, and their sensation tends to improve. You know, a lot of patients don't get 100% improvement, but if you've ever had any nerve pain before, you know that even if it's 30% improvement, it's it's pretty spectacular if it's even 30 to 50% improvement. So, yeah. And then I do perineural injection therapy, which is basically injections of either dextrose or PRP into the peripheral nerves. And I've had great treatments, um, great results for treatments for uh, chronic headaches and migraines, especially after motor vehicle accidents for patients. Um, and so I do injections of the PRP into the, the peripheral nerves that supply 
um, you know, the, the, neck the circulation to the neck muscles um, as well. So many different types of areas that you can use the perineural injection therapy for. I mean, our nerves are everywhere, right? And so sometimes when patients say they have pain, what I'll do first is actually do the, the work the nerves, so I'll do perineural injections. And then if the pain is still there, then I'll go to the deeper tissues like the tendons and ligaments and use prolotherapy in order to treat the patient. So um, oftentimes, if the tiered um, treatment um, you know, program that I put patients through, because you know, perineural injections are, are um, more cost effective. And, so, and oftentimes, I can actually get patients' pain level to decrease significantly with just doing nerve injections, the peripheral nerve injections. And I, um, even though I teach perineural injections and also prolotherapy, I, my baby is like the perineural injections. I love doing it so much because the results are, are pretty much, um, patients will know whether they're better or not in office, whereas prolotherapy, um, you know, patients will know several days later whether the treatment is, is helpful or not or, or where the treatment's going. Whereas perineural injections, they typically will know while they're in the office with me because that's how quickly we can get those nerves to kind of decrease the inflammation. So I'm kind of hearing an underlying thing behind all these treatments. Um, diet still is extremely important because um, you know, there are foods that cause inflammation as well as yep. certain activities. We've talked about diabetics and not having their sugar under control. And I'm sure that's true of other um, disease states that when it's inflammatory, you know, anything you can do on your own at home to, you know, whether it's um, restricting certain foods. So I'm sure you're, you're addressing those things along with this treatment plan, correct? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and sometimes uh, to <laughs> patients get frustrated. They're like, "Dr. Funk, why do I need to check my hormones? Why do right. I need to, you know, why do we? Why are you spending so much time on diet and what I eat and how much I poop?" And um, yeah, it's it's so important because without if I am providing regenerative injection therapy to the patient, it's their own body's healing mechanism, right? I. Right. Sure, my technique and, 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 and the physician's um, technique and where they inject and how they diagnose, that is super important. But, you know, more important is, is whether their body is going to accept, you know, if I'm drawing blood out of you to thin down that PRP, the platelet, you know, the platelet is only as good as, as what you put in your body right. and, you know, your stress level and, you know, whether you're exercising because more, ex more exercise means more oxygenation, better testosterone levels. I mean, there's so many reasons why having an optimal, um, you know, diet and lifestyle is only going to help when you're doing regenerative injection therapy. And I would have to say the other thing, Janet, is, is biomechanics. Right? If, if someone is, you know, has really bad posture and is not active and has not very much muscle mass, the regenerative injection therapy is not going to be um, as helpful or as efficient. You know, they're probably going to need more treatment to heal something versus if they do have some, some mass on them and, and have good muscle tone because 
if you don't have good muscle tone, I mean, your joints are held, held up by these, you know, the tendons and the ligaments are, are just kind of hanging there, you know, in the joint space. So I really try to get patients, and I do a lot of biomechanics assessments. You know, my biomechanics assessment is at least 20 minutes, just seeing patients' posture and, and figuring out what muscle discrepancies and dysfunctions they may have because, you know, I think that a lot of times just educating the patient on what they can do with the lacrosse ball to relax some of these muscles, you know, to optimize the healing is, is you know, really important on top of all the diet and lifestyle stuff. So. Right. It can be just as important as the right shoes they're wearing, too, which I've found yep. out over time um, in the industry that Sean and I work in, the proper fit of the right pair of shoes and arch in your foot. So there's a yep. lot of little things that go into it, which leads me to say that you can't do that in 15 minutes with a client, I assume. It no. Takes... <laughs> no, some patients, you know, yoga is great for, and other patients, yoga is not going to be good for. I mean, if they have tons of ligament laxity and they're just overstretching themselves in a, in a yoga session, like, that's doing them more harm than good. So there's right. a lot of education, and, and I think that as a naturopathic doctor, you know, one of the you know, great things about being a naturopathic doctor, um, and one of the tenets is docere, which is, you know, basically doctor's teacher. And so I find that that's one aspect of, of medicine that I love so much is being able to attend conferences and, um, and go to webinars and, and learn the new and exciting things and then being able to educate patients on, you know, the latest treatments or what they can do to optimize their health and healing, what herbs might be better, you know, best to optimize their immune system. So even though I, uh, you know, let people know that I'm a regenerative medicine specialist and I do mostly musculoskeletal medicine, the other aspect of care I do pretty much on the daily to almost every single patient. So you put tools back in their toolbox. <laughs> yeah, and empowering, empowering and educating the patient, you know, so they know um, yeah. is, is so important. Yeah, and darn it, I have the time to do that, so I will. <laughs> I, I love those terms, empowering and educating, because that is our motto here. We empower and Yay. educate consumers so they can make their own individual health choices. So in about yep. 40 seconds, Dr. Funk, um, wrap it up. What's your parting words, and how do we get a hold of you? How do patients get a hold of you? Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, thank you, Janet and Sean, for having me on the show. I appreciate it so much. Um, I love the community. I practice in Wenatchee, Washington. Um, the easiest way is to call me at 509-763-9716. Um, also, you can email me at info at funkregenmed.com. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I, I specialize in regenerative injection therapies, um, a lot of musculoskeletal but I also do injections, you know, for hair restoration, uh, for facial, uh, for vaginal and um, sexual health injections as well. I do lots of things, hormone therapy. But, yeah, it's lots that I do. So if there's something that you're interested in, just give me a call and, and we'll have a consultation. Awesome. Love it. Nice chatting with you. We will talk to you later. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham.